3: This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. The baseball television rights holders, ecstatic as well as anybody who is a Yankees fan out there. Minnesota sports fans continue to take it on the chin. A one-game playoff one 8-4 to four by the Yankees. Aaron Judge who is becoming a superstar. If he's not already a superstar, obviously you hit 50 home runs in your rookie year. It's hard not to be a superstar, but he went three for four with a home run, a couple of RBIs in that game. And now we have the, all of the American league playoffs set. So if you are a baseball fan, October is the best month in general for sports fans, because there's just so many different options starting on Thursday couldn't get much better in the AL than a Yankees and Red Sox uh, American League uh, series for a chance to go to the World Series. For but Red Sox playing the Astros, Yankees playing the Indians—that's about as good as you get for the American League playoffs. Four big markets, uh, four interesting storylines. The Astros never won anything, um, really. The Indians have not won a title since I believe it's the 1940s now, which is the longest streak. In really consistent Major League Baseball history, since the Cubs finally won, and uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox, so we'll see what exactly ends up happening there tonight. We have uh, the other Wild Card game going on, which uh, which should be interesting. The Rockies and the Diamondbacks will be playing at uh, eight o'clock Eastern on TBS. So, uh, last night's game got a uh, pretty substantial audience. Four hour contest. Looked bad for the Yankees early, and uh, it didn't take long for them to come in and take control of the game. So I'm going to bring in the crew out in L.A. Let me go ahead and give you a roadmap. So many people are listening on the podcast now that I want to give you a roadmap uh, for what exactly we got transpiring in today's show. We're going to talk to Alex Marvez. Usually we talk to Alex Marvez in the open of the uh, in, in second segment of Hour 2. But we had an awesome interview with Jim Ross. That's uh, at JR's Barbecue. Good old JR from the WWE. If you are a fan of wrestling, uh, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma football, the Sooners, or just a fan in general of an interesting conversation, he was great. I mean, really outstanding yesterday. I encourage you to go listen to that and listen to the podcast. As a result, Alex Marvez is going to join us in this next segment to talk all things NFL. So we'll cover pretty much every team you can think of that matters right now in the NFL. We'll break that down in the next segment. an hour two... More in the NFL with my, our guy, Jeff Schwartz. His brother, Mitch, is on the Kansas City Chiefs. Jeff played eight years in the NFL on the offensive line. We'll talk to him about NFL Week 4, any surprises that he believes uh, have emerged as the uh, as obviously the, uh, the situation in the NFL uh, has moved into the quarter mark of the season. And then in Hour 3, we'll talk with Britt McHenry as we do every single Wednesday in that segment. Much to get to, including... The fact that virtually no one is mentioning this Michael Bennett story uh, still. And I do think it's an important story because the Las Vegas Police Department has proven that Seattle Seahawk Michael Bennett is a liar in his allegations of racism. The fact that it's getting no attention in the media, I think, is a glaring sign of bias. I want to give credit to Ryan Rossillo and Will Kane, who actually mentioned it on ESPN, becoming the first people other than me in nationwide sports media to actually discuss the fact that this guy has been called a and proven a liar based on his allegations of racism, which received an abundant amount of attention in uh, the earlier part of this month. If you want to watch these videos that prove that he was not, in fact, uh, a victim of racism, I would encourage you to uh, go to OutKick. Those videos are up. You can play them, and uh, you will be, I think, kind of blown away at the amount of attention these initial allegations received and then the lack of attention that they have received in a follow-up manner. Uh, Let's bring in the crew, though, to talk about last night's game between the Yankees and the uh, Twins. And you guys were watching uh, Justin and Danny G in L.A., what kind of stood out to you guys? Obviously, you're all in because the Dodgers have advanced to the playoffs. Dodgers have not won the World Series since 1988. City of Los Angeles is ecstatic. If you were Major League Baseball, the best possible, I would imagine, at this time in terms of ratings, maybe it's maybe it's uh, Cubs and uh, obviously the, the Boston Red Sox. Maybe that's the best possible World Series. Although now that both have won World Series titles, maybe it's not as much of a draw as possible. Second best, clearly would be the Dodgers going up against either the Yankees or the Red Sox. That would be kind of the, uh, the sexiest matchup, the yeah. two coasts playing against each other. How optimistic are you guys now that postseason's finally here as Dodger guys in L.A.?
4: Well, unfortunately, Justin is an Angels fan, so he'll sit out. How did that happen? Dodger talk. I don't know. Justin, how did you become an Angels fan back in the day?
1: Oh, that's embarrassing. I don't want to talk
4: about it. <laughs> okay, uh, they're wasting is Mike it, Trout's uh, best years. Is fears. it
1: Angels in the outfield?
4: It is. Oh, oh are you wow! Serious? <laughs> wow, I did not know that.
3: Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect anything else from a <laughs> child
4: star. Yeah, Clay. Dodgers-Yankees would be amazing if that if that happens. And we'll find out tonight, of course, the NL Wild game to see who the Dodgers are going to face. It's the Rockies at the Diamondbacks. Both teams have very good offenses. Uh, Pitching, not a strong suit for really either team except for Grankey on the Diamondbacks. So we'll find out who the Dodgers are going to face. But yeah, the city of Los Angeles definitely buzzing about the Dodgers. Like I said yesterday, it is World Series or bust. That AL wildcard game last night started off really nice, Clay. The National Anthem seemed extra special in light of everything that happened in Las Vegas. And then the Twins came out. And shocked the Yankees uh, ace, uh, Luis uh, Severino, because Dozier comes up, leadoff hitter for the Twins, knocks a home run. Rosario comes up another home run. Uh, Severino didn't even get out of the first inning. Um, And then four Yankee relievers pitched eight and two-thirds innings. Gardner... Uh, Judge Homer, as you mentioned, Gregorius had the bomb of the game. So the Yankees' bats were on fire for the rest of the game. So the Twins come out, 3 nothing lead. Looks like the Twins are going to light up the night. Instead, the Yankees overcame their ace pitcher falling apart.
3: And advanced now to play in the uh, AL playoffs, and there's a great setup. Like I said, Major League Baseball has to be ecstatic. Fox and uh, Turner both, uh, both, just delirious with glee over the fact that they get the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Cubs, and uh, and everybody else uh, that that are out there that are big time draws. The Dodgers, uh, you got basically every major market in America that could possibly have a big time Major League Baseball team all advancing in the Major League Baseball postseason. This has the potential to be one of the best in terms of amount of attention. I mean, just think about it. You got New York, you got Boston, you got Houston. You got L.A., you got Chicago, and then you've got a bunch of sexy stories involving other teams that don't have as big of markets, right? I mean, it, it's pretty wild to uh, to think about all the different major American cities that are going to be brought into uh, that are going to be brought into this story. So, uh, I guess probably in an ideal universe, I mean, I, I would say Colorado and Phoenix both kind of relatively equal. I mean, Denver and uh, Denver and Phoenix both kind of equal size cities. But again, you talk about Boston, you talk about Houston, you talk about uh, the Cleveland, you talk about New York City, you talk about um, – and, and then in the, uh, the NL, you've got the city of Chicago, you've got the city of L.A. I mean, it's about as good as you can get. So all of that will be rolling in. We'll be talking about Major League Baseball playoffs tomorrow with our guy John Morosi. He'll be breaking it down a little bit better after the wild card in the NL is also decided. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Alex Marvez in with us right now. Uh, we're a quarter of the way through the NFL season. On yesterday's show, we were talking about biggest surprises – Biggest uh, you know, disappointment so far, a quarter of the way in. It's still early, but what would you say has stood out to you the most so far in the NFL season?
0: The Los Angeles Rams have stood out to me as far as X's and O's go. And, listen, Sean McVay, to his credit, listen, the guy can sit on a Gatorade tub all he wants while his defense is on the field and orchestrate his, his offensive game plan. He's got Wade Phillips having his back as defensive coordinator. But, you know, what he's done, I mean, to see the progress in Jared Goff, to get Todd Gurley in the MVP conversation, to get utility out of Sammy Watkins, Tavon Austin, listen, we all understand he's a really limited player, but he's getting the most out of him. And the offensive line holding up, listen, we bashed less need as well we should the guy you know working with jeff fisher they made some disastrous personnel decisions but right now they've got something good going and i know we talk about all the empty seats in Los Angeles, you know, for the Rams games, I think they're going to start filling up, quite honestly, starting Sunday against Seattle. I think this is an exciting team. to watch. It's so anti-Jeff Fisher-like. It's just remarkable to me, the brand of football that they're playing. It's been refreshing, it's been fun, and, and a total breath of fresh air. You know, and obviously on the flip side in Los Angeles, the Chargers, this thing has become such a disaster right from the get-go, and opposing teams know that they that their fan bases are going to come in and take over the, the stadium. The San Diegians, San Diegians, is that a word? <laughs> they're not coming, Clay. They're not coming up. They're not dealing with the traffic, the ten-hour drive to go up seventy miles, you know, up to see the, the Los Angeles Chargers play at one hundred sixty-five dollars a pop with a hundred-dollar parking. After that franchise snubbed them and came up north, they're not getting new fans to come in and support the Chargers. I mean, it, it's really just a pathetic situation to combine with a pathetic football team. By the way, that still has the same problems that they tried to leave behind in San Diego. Can't win close games in the fourth quarter. Special teams are bad.
3: Do you buy into the Chiefs at 4-0, the last undefeated NFL team, remarkably, even though we're only four weeks in? <laughs> Is this a team with staying power that can contend for home field advantage in the AFC, or are they going to fade?
0: They they have a little bit of a tough a tough schedule coming up. You know, they've got Houston, they've got Pittsburgh, they've got Oakland, Denver, and Dallas. Those are their next five opponents. Now listen, do they get a break with Derek Carr? Is he going to be back literally, figuratively, because of that that back injury that he suffered, uh, you know, against the Denver Broncos. Is Zeke Elliott going to be on the field for the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, that's a fair question to ask as his suspension remains up in the air. But that's an awfully tough stretch. I, I expect them to come back down to earth a little bit. But look, they're, they're, they've opened up this offense. They put in a lot of interesting wrinkles that take advantage of Alex Smith's mobility. It's almost like death by paper cut, right? Like, they don't necessarily beat you with a big play, although they've shown the capability to hit him this year. But it's more like they dink and dunk you down the field, but there is now that threat of a deep pass, and that is significant for this Chiefs' offense. Having that because defenses have to respect it. Look, I give him credit, and Justin Houston is a huge difference maker for this team. When this guy's on play, he's probably the best outside linebacker in the league, and I'm saying that, including the company of Von Miller and Khalil Mack.
3: Okay, let's uh, let's kind of. There's so many stories I feel like to get to in the NFL. Let's go right into the Patriots. I said a couple of weeks ago, and we're talking to Alex Marvez. I said a couple of weeks ago, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, but the Patriots are not the Patriots, primarily on the defensive side of the ball. They have played three home games. It took a remarkable late drive from Tom Brady to avoid the Patriots being 0-3 in those home games. The Bills are up top in the AFC East, 2-2 two and two Patriots. Are the Patriots in trouble, or is this a team that everything's going to even out and they'll still win the AFC East, and we'll be talking about them as a Super Bowl contender come November and December?
0: Well, see, that's the thing about the Patriots, right? You just expect it to happen, you know? And you don't know how it's going to happen. You just expect that Bill Belichick and his staff are going to find answers or they're going to make some personnel move or, you know, maybe in this case they'll bring Rob Ninkovich out of retirement to help rush the passer, you know? I mean, but but this, this team right now in the secondary is such a mess. They're so confused. And one of the problems that they have is coming in now in a short week, having to play Tampa Bay tomorrow night. Clay, that's a toughie, you know, because you don't have time to really fix so much of what's going on. And what's been killing New England, these bunch formations. And and Ron Rivera alluded to it, the Panthers head coach, after the game. Guys aren't sure exactly where their assignments are. Stephon Gilmore is doing his own thing. Eric Rose doing his own thing. I mean, it just looks so confusing to to that secondary right now. And teams are taking advantage of it. Also, mobile quarterbacks. The Patriots can't get these guys down. So it looks like at least for the time being, this is going to have to be a shootout type of team. You know, the New England Patriots are going to be winning games like by the scores you saw. For example, you allude to that Houston Texans game. Going to be like that uh, until this defense can catch up. Ultimately, are they a playoff team? Sure. I, and I don't. Don't buy the Buffalo Bills going the distance. They they do not pass the football very well, and I think that ultimately will catch up to the Buffalo Bills, but they are playing some pretty sound defense. I think the depth on the, on that side of the football, though, may ultimately come back to haunt them. But yeah, how about this? Patriots have not been 2-3 and three since Tom Brady became a starter in 2001. Could very well be looking at that tomorrow night after playing Tampa Bay.
3: That's an amazing statistic. That is really incredible. Okay, and I want to talk a little bit about that game. It's coming up tomorrow night, as you mentioned it. Is it fair to say unbelievably that the Bucks are a little bit playing with house money here given the fact that they're two and one and the Patriots, like you just said, if they fall to two and three, look, the Bucks, if they fall to two and two, eh, you know, look, I mean, I know that the uh that the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers are three and one, and that's an incredibly difficult division. So it's gonna be hard to win that division no matter what but at 2 and 2 it's not like you're out of the running at 3 and 1 you feel ecstatic whereas for the pacer uh, for the pacers for the uh for the patriots at 2 and 3 i mean you would have to be like uh-oh like it's a record scratch moment i think for them
0: well, see, with Tampa Bay, though, I mean, they got something good going at home. First, they, they started 2-0, and and they haven't done that in about a decade at home. They are the NFL's worst home team since 2009. Not sure if you're aware of that. And, of course, that goes with losing, but even the Cleveland Browns have a better home record during that time since 2009 than Tampa Bay. So I think establishing a home field advantage, getting your own fans back in, and listen, there, there's going to be a whole bunch of folks in Boston, you know, and, and all that will be up there on Thursday night, don't get me wrong, but the, the point, though, is that I think for Tampa Bay, it is like a statement game. You know, have they arrived? I think sometimes teams that are in the middle of the pack. You know, when I talked about it with the Tennessee Titans in Seattle, that was a statement game to me. Of course, then they go out and make another type of statement against the Houston Texans, but when you beat a great team, it just builds on that confidence, and that's where I think this stands for Tampa Bay, because let's be honest here. None of this really matters as far as tie-breaking scenarios, playoff implications, except for a, a win or a loss. You know, you're know, you not talking about this figuring into any sort of tiebreakers as far as determining playoff positioning or whether you get in but I think it is significant for Tampa Bay one thing that's important about this and maybe you take the over in this game the Bucks, 31st in the NFL in pass defense only behind the Patriots and they've only gotten one sack through three games no bueno
3: that's not good at all okay let's talk about being pretty good I think at least Deshaun Watson. Now, I watched this game against the Titans. The Texans put up 57 points. Marcus Mariota out day-to-day with a hamstring uh, strain did not play in the second half. But when I watched the Titans' defense, what I noticed was Bill O'Brien had a masterly day calling plays because almost every single time Deshaun Watson's first receiver was open this was not him surveying the field standing in the pocket and making like kind of like a a general like decision in terms of understanding the field and everything that's going on it was the Titans couldn't cover the receivers of the Texans and every time almost the primary option the first read was open. What do you think about Deshaun Watson? Is that a level of success that they can keep up? What are you hearing about him and uh, everything going on with the Houston Texans right now?
0: Oh, it's all positive. Listen, the guy scored nine touchdowns, passing and rushing, in just three and a half games. I I mean, he he is running away with NFL offensive rookie of the year and you know the smart thing he did the one thing that Brock Osweiler didn't do and maybe maybe just maybe Brock Osweiler would have a chance at still being around the Houston Texans not saying that would make them a better franchise but maybe he'd still be around if he said you know what DeAndre Hopkins is pretty good let me throw at him and you know what even if I don't complete every pass you know who's not going to be complaining about a lack of touches DeAndre Hopkins Hopkins 31 catches but he is the most targeted wide receiver in the NFL and I think that's what it comes down to look because I mean, now you're seeing an ancillary piece like a Braxton Miller step up, and that's tremendous for them. And Ryan Griffin is healthy again. They're tight end. They're very tight end-centric offense they were last year. You know, with C.J. Fedorowicz on injured reserve, they've had to change that. Will Fuller's
3: back now too gives him a stretch the field kind of guy.
0: Exactly, you got it. So all these little pieces are coming together. Deontay Foreman's been a very nice acquisition, the rookie out of Texas, complimenting Lamar Miller in the running game. But Watson's mobility is a thing too. I I just think that they've given him enough, you know, that that he's not overwhelmed by the offense. He's comfortable operating. He did have a more of a pro style system at Clemson than other college programs. So hey listen, I I give the kid a ton of credit. Of course, with Bill O'Brien, you never know, right? I mean, and you know, but he might have finally got. It right at the quarterback position after getting it wrong so often during his coaching tenure in Houston.
3: What's going on with the Cowboys? Is that more about the Rams being good or the
0: Cowboys being bad? Cowboys are back to where they were, which is a 500 caliber team that gets up for some games and down for others. Is sort of how I look at it a little bit with their mental outlook and think about it like this too, with the Cowboys. If you're a 500 team with Zeke Elliott, what are you without Zeke Elliott? right? And, I mean, that that sort of Damocles hanging over their head, because six-game suspension could be coming down, play, could be coming down as soon as later this week. We don't know about what's happening. You know, the, the presentation was made Monday, and now we're waiting to hear what the court decision is on Zeke Elliott. It's, it's expected to potentially come at the end of the week. If, if they don't have Zeke Elliott for six weeks, this team's in a lot of trouble. They've got to get healthier in the secondary. That is an area that's hurting them, but either we really underestimated the Rams or the, or the Dallas Cowboys, just to, I think they've got some trouble right now, and I just think that they set the bar so high last year, and I think these guys riding high on it. Let me share an anecdote with you. I went to Jerry Jones' Hall of Fame party, and all the players there. We're talking like 50-something guys, there, at least the, the, the veteran players, the guys you would know, right? They're all at this party, and I'm thinking, you know what? You're out celebrating – You know, right after your preseason game, you're acting like you guys have won the Super Bowl and the season hasn't even started yet. It's those types of things to me that, that, you know, you love the Cowboys. And I'm not saying it necessarily translates to wins and losses, but I just think there's sort of a mindset that comes in there with the Cowboys a little bit. When things are going great, these guys ride high. But through the years, as we've seen, and I thought they'd broken the cycle last year, but when adversity hits, they don't handle it well. And I just I'm real curious to see where this Cowboys team goes from here. What's up with the
3: Browns? I mean, I feel bad asking the question, but we talked yesterday's show uh, the fact that Hugh Jackson is now one in nineteen in his first twenty games as a head coach. I know that they've got a lot of issues. Deshaun Kaiser wasn't ready; they started him anyway. They don't have a quarterback. They're in the running for the Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or you know whoever the sweepstakes quarterback is going to end up being. But at what point does Hugh Jackson? become the guy that people start to blame at least a little bit. I mean, one in 19 –
0: The guy is unbelievable. Yeah, but he's got friends in the media, so it's easy to not attack Hugh. It's easier to attack Sashi Brown and and the, quote, brain trust of the Cleveland Browns. And listen, in a lot of ways, they've done Hugh Jackson no favors. Look at some of the people that have left Cleveland, right? And And, you know, for example, Mitchell Schwartz, the best, you know, I'd say maybe the best right tackle in football, you could argue Jack Conklin, but you let this guy walk out the door. You have $10 billion in salary cap space, right? You're willing to give Brock Osweiler $16 million roughly to not play for you, yet you let this guy leave you. You let Deshaun Gibson, 25-year-old safety, walk out your door. You let Terrell Pryor leave. And I'm not saying Terrell would have necessarily been, you know, phenomenal for them, but at least he was was growing under Hugh Jackson. And you signed Kenny Britt in his frying pan hands, and boom, again, last week leads to an interception. I mean, I think he has more drops and catches for the season. He's been abysmal. So you look at the people making these decisions, and then you say, okay, you think they're going to draft a quarterback. Well, you had a chance at Deshaun Watson, didn't take him. You had a chance at, at Carson Wentz. You didn't take him. Who's to say that these are absolutely the right people running the organization? I see nothing, zero, that gives me any confidence in Hugh Jackson or the administration there that says that this team can win. It's the same old, same old in Cleveland. Who's going to win the NFC North? I would argue the NFC North and
3: the NFC South have the two best collections of quarterbacks right now in terms of guys that are playing pretty well, right? I mean, in the the NFC South you've got four guys who could all make runs towards the Super Bowl at some point in time, right? Jameis Winston, Drew Brees already won one, Matt Ryan almost won one, Cam Newton's an MVP, and he's been in the Super Bowl, right? That is a really solid collection of quarterbacks. In the NFC North, let's just toss the Bears out, right? But you got Matthew Stafford, who's at the peak of his abilities. You got Aaron Rodgers, who's maybe the best quarterback overall. Who knows exactly what's going to happen with the health situation with Sam Bradford? But I think when he's healthy, and that's been the story of Sam Bradford's career, there's pretty good quarterbacks there too. So let's who wins the NFC's North in your mind?
0: I just – I go with Green Bay because I think they can adjust really well. And I just wonder about Detroit and when adversity hits them as far as injuries go and it affects every team basically, how will they be able to adjust? Look, the defense is playing a lot better. They're they're a lot more cohesive as a group. I think that collectively they're better than the individual parts in Detroit. And Matt Stafford's balling. I mean, and I give him a lot of credit. You know, it's funny. He's better without Calvin Johnson. It's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? But you know what, all of a sudden, and we saw a little bit of me in Calvin Johnson. This, you know, in the, ever since he's retired, you know, I didn't think I could win a Super Bowl with these guys. What a slap in the face, right? And he's the guy demanding the football from Matt Stafford. And trust me, I don't think Matt in my conversations with him was crying crocodile tears that Calvin Johnson retired. I think this Lions team continues to build confidence when they win a big game like they did against Minnesota on the road. I think the Vikings, because of Dalvin Cook, they're going to put, a, you know, now their eggs go in the Sam Bradford basket. Good luck with all that. They're a 500 team. Unfortunately, they're just mired in that spot. But Green Bay, when you look at what they've done the past two games, pulling out that victory against Cincinnati, coming back to win, beating the Chicago Bears, they're on their fourth string running back, right? I mean, they have, they have to search a guard to tackle. They've got no offensive lineman. Jordy Nelson's not 100%. I mean, these guys are, are, are just stretched, you know, threadbare. And boom, they're out there winning games still. And I think that's the thing. I think they've been there and done it. I think they're tried and true. By the way, I'm surprised Jay Cutler in the AFC East not not making your quarterback rounds
3: right now. You know what? Jay is going to go for over 300 yards against the Titans secondary. I mean, people have, I mean, <laughs> that's the game. We don't know if Marcus Mariota is going to start in that game, obviously, against the Dolphins. But I'm telling you, Cutler is going to come out and just gunsling the ball all over the field. and Everybody's going to say, oh, maybe Cutler's not so awful. It's going to be because he's going up against the Titans secondary. Um, Andrew Luck. What in the world is going on there? What is the decision going to be? How's his health? What are you hearing out of Indianapolis?
0: I'm just, look, I heard this injury was a lot worse initially. We've talked about it on on your show, Clay. We've talked about it that it was a lot worse and initially led on, but you know, you get a little bit distracted because Jim Irsay comes out and says, hey, this guy's going to be able to play. Don't worry. He'll be ready for the start of the season. Oh, no, there's been no setbacks and any of that, and they won't put him out there on the field. Look, when you saw him on the sideline against Seattle, did this guy look physically big enough to you to get back there out on the field he didn't look ready he didn't he doesn't look anywhere near ready I would say right now just just and given an eyeball look and what I've been able to ascertain we're looking two three weeks out at least and by that point the ship has sailed on Chuck Pagano this this team is just they're going nowhere fast they had one nice half against Seattle Jacoby Brissett you look maybe he could be a franchise quarterback and you know the bad part for Brissett I mean it's great that he's gotten snaps but, but now he's back to not playing, unless Andrew Luck starts getting hurt all the time and Brissette's out there. So his growth as a quarterback is going to start to be stymied because Andrew Luck's coming back, which isn't a bad thing for the Colts. It's a bad thing for Jacoby Brissette, but so it goes. But just this team, ugh. you know, in the offensive line now, another center goes down. They're on a third-string center. They can't keep the offensive line healthy. And by the way, Frank Gore, I know that he got the praise from Al Michaels, automatic Hall of Fame running back. If he does get in, it's going to be as a compiler of stats. The fact that he has had longevity in the NFL because does any NFL team at this point for the past four or five years go into the game and say, you know what, we've got to stop Frank Gore because if we don't stop Frank Gore, we're <laughs> going to lose this game. No, nobody does because, again, he, he's steady. He'll get you 80 yards a game. He'll hit his thousand each season. He's a great team guy. All of those things he does his assignments well. He's a very solid player. But I just find it interesting as he moves up the ranks and he passes. All these dynamic running backs, you know Eric Dickerson in yardage, guys like that. You just scratch your head, and it's, it's amazing. It's a credit to Frank, but God, I just you think about dynamic players. That to me is not Frank Gore.
3: Final question for you. And we're talking to Alex Marvez. He joins us usually every single Tuesday. He was uh, nice enough to come on early with us on Wednesday morning because we had JR, uh, good old JR, Jim Ross uh, at JR's barbecue. He had a book coming out. I'd encourage you guys to go listen to the podcast interview with him. He was fantastic. Um, and I know you're a fan as well uh, of, uh, of WWE and JR.
0: Well, I mean, he wrote the forward to my pro-wrestling training guide. Yeah. So, you know, this was like a little tit-for-tat, so to speak. I do have a column up at SportingNews.com. Uh, really, and it's written from a different perspective, because Jim and I have been friends for, for coming up. I met him in, what, 1990? So I guess what well, 27 years now. We've been doing different things, you know, as far as pro-wrestling. I helped set him up with some folks in the NFL Players Association when WWE was looking to recruit pro football players into their ranks and trying to, you know, set up a little bit of behind-the-scenes conduit there a while ago. But, you know, Jay are still, his wife, you know, passed away, Jan. And the trial is coming up for the 17-year-old, now I believe he's 18, uh, who hit and killed his wife. She was on a Vespa coming back from the gym, didn't have a helmet on, a huge mistake. She ended up suffering, uh, you know, fatal brain trauma. And, and Jim is just still broken up. I mean, he's just, he, he's doing the tour. He, his book is out, but when you read the book, you just understand what his wife meant to him. And I have more of a love letter uh, types column about Jim Ross and about him having to go through all this, you know, even with the tragedy of his wife, and he says, look, that's one of the reasons I keep working. I cannot be alone. I, I just, I can't handle things like that. That's why I want to remain tight in the wrestling business. It's a fascinating book on Jim Ross, on his on his ascension, and listen, it's a, it's a book of dreams because Jim Ross dreamt when he was a little kid of being a pro wrestling announcer and making it to the big time, and a guy on a farm in Norman, Oklahoma, was able to do just that. Kudos to him. It's a wonderful book, but a lot of heartbreak behind it as well. Sportingnews.com for my column, and of course, listen on Play Travis, all of the podcasts and great things that Clay presents every week.
3: Uh, uh, that is phenomenal. Okay, I said last question for you before I got you into the JR. talk. But <laughs> state of Pennsylvania, which team would you buy stock in right now? The Eagles at three and one, or the Steelers at three and one?
0: I'm just a Steelers guy, as goofy as it is, just, again, because of the track record. Now, that being said, Carson Wentz is, you know, he's really growing as a quarterback. He's not committing mistakes. Zach Hurts right now is, is just catching everything. Alshon has developed a real nice rapport with. You know, and, and defensively, look, they're not the same without Fletcher Cox, but who would be? I mean, this guy is an absolute beast. He, he missed last week's game. But, you know, I like him. Uh, I think the secondary, though, is really susceptible to big things. And, look, play what, what I can't – it's going to be interesting. At the end of the year, if the Steelers end up getting a number two play, playoff seed or have to go to a wild card and you're going through tiebreakers, you're going to look back on that Chicago game and say, what were you guys thinking? And they'll say, oh, yeah, it was Trump. You know, because, you know, really, because there's no way they should be losing to the Chicago Bears week three at Soldier Field. And every team goes, you know, most teams go through that hiccup where you look back, you circle a game and you say, why did we lose to this crappy opponent that's not going to be in the playoffs? The Steelers have to deal with that now. It just gives them a little bit, a little bit less room for error. But look, with Baltimore falling by the wayside, Cleveland being abysmal. And we know Cincinnati, I think they're better, and I think they are going to get back on their feet a little bit, but they probably dug themselves too big a hole at 0-3. This is not only Pittsburgh's division to win, this is also an opportunity for the Steelers to potentially get home field advantage, especially with New England being down.
3: Incredible hit there. I think we literally hit almost all 32 NFL teams in one segment. My appreciation. We'll talk to you next week, my man.
0: Hey, Champions of Life, that's what we are. Your coach still still working there? I just was wondering. Just uh, to...
3: I got to fire him. He's still working there because the, the administration has no balls. He should be gone. Uh, thanks I thought for with, that. I thought, with,
0: I thought with Peyton watching that he'd be gone, by the way, the next day. But worst I, you know,
3: beating person. for University of Tennessee with the worst home beating since 1905.
0: Uh, and you were at that game.
3: No, I didn't go. I was planning <laughs> on going. I no, the 1905, the, only,
0: the 1905
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, the 1905 game. No, I was planning on going to that Georgia game. Then I called an audible on the day of and said, you know what, I don't have a lot of confidence here. I'm just going to watch it from my couch. That was the right call. Uh, Alex, yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. When I agreed to take over this show about a year ago, I said, yes, I'll do it. But the only conditions I have are I'm going to talk the exact same to people on the radio now as I do on my daily Facebook and Periscope show, minus the fact that I can't curse on this show, right? There's FCC uh, restrictions. And I'm going to call it exactly like I see it, and I'm going to be as honest as possible every single day. And so when initially this Michael Bennett story came out, uh, Seattle Seahawk defensive lineman, when, when he called everybody in the Las Vegas Police Department racist, I said, man, I just, I don't know that I buy this story. I don't know, when you look at the facts, I don't know that I buy the idea that responding to a report of a live shooter in a Las Vegas casino, that the first thought of minority police officers is, let's go find a black guy and harass him because of his race. That didn't make sense to me. It seemed like a lie or an exaggeration. The media ran with it. Michael Bennett goes on Twitter and calls the Las Vegas Police Department all racist. He says he was profiled. He says they treated him unfairly. He says all these incredibly insulting things about the Las Vegas Police Department. The media runs with it. Every single media outlet in the country treats it as the gospel truth. NBC, CBS, Fox, ESPN, all of them, all of the outlets online write similar stories Friday afternoon, late in the afternoon, the Las Vegas Police Department announced they have completed their investigation. They have reviewed over 190 different videotapes. They have called Michael Bennett and his attorney and offered them copies of over 190 different videotapes of this incident. Remember, we're talking about a Las Vegas casino, so there are tons of cameras from every angle. They tell them that they have over 190 videos. You're welcome to review it. We have found zero evidence to support any of Michael Bennett's claims. Moreover, the two Hispanic officers and the black officer who were involved in this case, we find actually behaved with an A-plus rating. They did everything perfectly okay. There was no racism here. There was no improper treatment. Moreover, we're going to release this video that I'm about to play for you. This is from that August night after Mayweather McGregor. You can go watch this video on outkick.com. This came out on Friday afternoon. There was no mention... No mention whatsoever of this video or the Las Vegas Police Department's statements anywhere on NBC, CBS, ESPN, or Fox on Sunday. Despite the fact that all those networks covered his accusations of racism, Michael Bennett is a liar. He is lying about this racist incident. And this video I want to play for you. This is from the Las Vegas Police Department. This is their video One of 193, I believe the number was, different videos from that night, which disproved everything that Michael Bennett said. But I want you to listen to this, okay? You're going to listen to this video. This is after Michael Bennett is stopped, okay? Um, This is the Las Vegas Police Department spokesperson. This is their interaction with him. What I want you to notice is how well they explain exactly why they detained him in the moment, they say, "Look, you were trying to hide from us. You didn't respond to our uh, to our co- our commands, and you can imagine how that looked for us." It ends with them shaking Michael Bennett's hand and allowing him to be released. The zero racism at all. I want you to listen to this video, and then I want to ask you guys: How in the world this is not receiving a massive amount of attention, and why? Most of you are only going to have heard this story—the fact that Michael Bennett is a lying, race-baiting fraud—from me and no one else in the media. Why is that? Listen.
4: So the highlighted here, you'll see Mr. Bennett appear in a crouched
0: stance and proceed to the rear of the uh, slot machines there. And we have two officers that are looking, to, trying to evaluate what's going on. Go ahead and stop.
1: Where's hey, oh, 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 oh. Where are you doing? What, what are you Over there, over there! Get I didn't do nothing, man! I oh, told oh. him, I told him, the car him, Hey, get up, get up, man! Oh, stand up, we're taking you back to my car. I didn't do nothing, man! Listen, man! They tried to run out the car! Right, sit down. I don't care. Sit down. Man, come on, man, Sit down. It. Sit. Okay, man. Turn, turn your head. man. No. I'm right. Right. what I'm being I'm getting there. I'm getting there. What am I gonna be in right now. What am I We're with the shooter. Right, but I sit down. No. Okay, man. I got no problem, man. I'm just asking a question. We hear somebody shooting in there. Everyone's down. You're burning. I'm trying to get out, of my team. Yeah. Stop. No, stop. Stop talking. Yeah. I understand. But you still understand how that looks, though? Yeah. Okay. You're not in under arrest. We're going to get you out of here, okay? But we just have to make sure, because right now, all we know is people okay, are shooting okay. in there is what we're hearing, and then you're running away. So we're making sure that's not you. Now, yeah. come out. And hey, if it's man. not you, we, we don't have time to be out you here to talking to get you. your name? Do you have an ID on you? No, man. My name is Michael Bennett. Okay. Has a her, right? Michael Bennett, yeah. I imagine he's a, uh, but if I can get a picture of him, if can so called, <laughs> Michael Bennett? I've heard of him. You you recognize them? Okay. Wait, you, do right. you believe you've got all your citizens? Yeah. Well, yeah. Down, okay. And I'll send okay. a, a shrink to down there, downstairs. But- hey, it's unfortunate, course, but we have to do what you do. Okay. And we don't have people are shooting at us, so when you're yelling at us, we just need to get you there. <laughs> fast so, Sorry, that happened, but by one had the other we got to go that apparently. way. This is all blocked <laughs> off.
3: All right, so it's a little bit difficult to hear all that, but that's all the interaction between Michael Bennett and the Las Vegas Police Department. Michael Bennett doesn't have ID on him. He says he plays for the Seahawks. They look up if you watch this video, if you want to watch the video for yourself, you can go to outkick.com and scroll down to the Michael Bennett article that I've got up. They uh they clearly explain exactly why he was detained because as you can see on the video, he's behaving in a suspicious fashion. This video makes even more sense tragically. In light of what happened on Sunday, Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. The NFL, Michael Bennett himself, they all condemn the Las Vegas Police Department for being racist. Then the videos come out on Friday, and I think, okay, this will probably get some coverage. Maybe NBC, CBS, Fox, and ESPN will cover the fact that the Las Vegas Police Department did nothing wrong. We've been playing those videos here on the show. Uh, Can you believe that this story has not been covered, and and why isn't it being covered?
2: I actually can believe it's not being covered because it doesn't fit into this social justice uh, pioneer story that some networks... I won't name names. Want to constantly push down people's throats, and but I am shocked that it's not. And you and I have communicated a little bit about it because he he blatantly lied. Like how how can you how can you say that he didn't? Because his whole statement when he put it on Twitter, it was titled equality. And if you remember, as I'm sure you have, discussing it on the show, everything centered around. As as Michael Bennett was quoted in his statement saying, being a black man at the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, so let's leave the possibility in there, Clay, that maybe there was some excessive force used that isn't quite captured In what what did they say they had like 190 over 190
3: different videos of this incident that they offered to Michael Bennett and his attorney, and they haven't accepted them, but they reviewed all of them to determine whether there was any evidence that their officers had behaved inappropriately at all.
2: Yeah. So, but but let's just leave a little sliver of that because you know someone like Bomani Jones will just no matter what logic you put out there will say, well, it was edited and leave room for that possibility. I would say to that, okay, if there was so much excessive force used, why was he shaking the hands of the police officers afterwards? And he didn't have his ID on him. Okay. So the police officers were nice enough to be looking him up on Google when he said he, he was told them to do Seahawks that. Brent.
3: He said yeah. to them, I'm Michael Bennett, Seattle Seahawks, look it up. Like, you are a girl, so you've probably been out in Vegas, I would imagine, a few times. Like, I can understand, like, I'll carry my wife's ID sometimes in my uh-huh. wallet because, you know, she's got a cocktail dress on or whatever. She doesn't want to carry a purse. Like, there are no pockets in tight dresses like I and high heels and stuff like that. I can understand how a girl could be out in Las Vegas and not have her ID. I have no earthly idea how a man wearing jeans does not have an ID with him when he's out in Las Vegas, right? I, I just I can't even conceive of how it's possible.
2: Exactly. And also if that was you, Clay, or or me and and Flack we we get sometimes from different people and and media outlets, if one of us or anyone else had like started bragging to a cop about who we were and like look us up online like I think there would be way more oh people uh, would
3: be, it would be everywhere Deadspin would like fall all over themselves to put up a video of if it were me had been detained in Las Vegas and I did nothing wrong and I and they were like hey do you have an ID and I was like no but I'm Clay Travis uh you know uh, uh Clay Travis I do radio I run a website called Outkick the Coverage look it up like, that would be yeah. everywhere, right? Like, people would put that everywhere. everywhere. Same thing for you, everywhere. too. You're like, I'm Britt McHenry. I'm on TV. Uh, look it up. Like, it would be uh, everywhere. Yeah. Michael Bennett yeah. does it, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, sure. He doesn't have his. And, again, I'm willing to give a pass to a girl because I've been out in Vegas. I guarantee you that I've been out in Vegas. I know I have with my wife where she goes out to a to a nice place, and she's like, I don't want to carry my purse with me. I don't want to have to carry. Like, here's my ID, and here's my lip balm. Uh, put this in your pocket and carry it. Every guy has done that for a girl at some point. So if my wife got detained and she didn't have her ID in Vegas and she was in a cocktail dress or something, I'd be like, okay, I understand how that happens. I don't understand how Michael Bennett's out in Las Vegas without an ID wearing jeans and a, and a button-down shirt.
2: Exactly. And, yeah, to that point of Deadspin, like, they've written two in-depth articles attempting to smear me, Clay, simply by going on Fox News. Like, So, yes, to, to that point, they would crush both of us if we had said similar And lots things. of so other places, says,
3: by the way, online, just because they would be like, oh, I want an opportunity to tee off on these two people, right? Like, it's a yeah. it's a totally absurd situation. Absolutely. Um, but there's no doubt that it would happen.
2: And so it's like, yeah, so how do you not have an ID on you after going to the fight, being at a casino? You know, immediately in my head, I'm thinking, since he was hiding behind a slot machine and running away from the cops, like, what were you throwing out of your pockets? Okay, that's kind of questionable. And then he says there's an, a direct exchange where the officer tells him. Why you're are they seeing, stopping? you hiding. Yes. Yeah, you're running away from us. You, you know what that looks like, right? And he says, yes. Like, he says, yeah. So he acknowledges that it looks sketchy. He was running away. Shakes the hands of the officers before he leaves. And then 10 days later goes... And tries every effort possible to get attention to this and to falsely accuse these police officers of racially profiling him, which did not happen. And oh, by the way, with Sheriff Joe Lombardo and the rest of the Las Vegas police officers, thank you for being there because as we just saw a couple days ago with 59 people murdered, and how many did they say injured, Clay? Over 500? 500. Yeah. Yeah. Who was on the ground? helping capture the the shooter and helping these people get into safety. It was the Las Vegas police officers, among other people as well, volunteers on the ground. But that is why we need our police officers and stories that are completely bogus, like Michael Bennett, just discredit anything they're trying to pioneer, first of all, in terms of combating racism. It just weakens it. And second of all, it really attacks. Men and women who we should be grateful we had the past couple
3: of days. No doubt. We're talking to Britt McHenry and including those two Hispanic police officers and that black mm-hmm. police officer. Very good chance that those three people were involved in both that response to the Michael Bennett alleged shooting in the casino that, that led to the Michael Bennett incident and the actual shooting that took place on Sunday. Very good chance that those cops that he called racist were out there trying to protect people of all races, creeds, genders, and backgrounds, and catch this 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 madman who was out there shooting people. Uh, now, Britt, yeah. I want to you you are more in the traditional line of journalist, right? I've always been kind mm-hmm. of on the opinion side of things. I try to get facts right. I think it's important. I think people who listen to this show know that. But mm-hmm. Sunday night, so we're talking about the lack of coverage of. The fact that Michael Bennett's story has blown up and been proven to be untrue. Sunday night, NBC does a puff piece interview with Michael Bennett, even after this incident happens on Friday. I haven't seen anybody criticizing NBC. From a journalistic perspective, we have done a bunch of interviews before on this show that we've taped, you know, over the course of a year where major news has happened and we've been like, you know what, we can't run that interview, let's just toss it. How in the world does NBC still run the Michael Bennett interview and not discuss the fact that the Las Vegas police has put out this evidence that he lied about the most famous thing that he's been involved in off the field? Like, that seems like a really big detail to not even address in any way for NBC.
2: Yeah, I I did not see it, but I've had several people say that, not just you, Clay, and bringing up that it was... uh, Totally complimentary of him, fitting this narrative, and that they didn't mention anything. And I don't, I don't know how that happens. I, my initial response would be, okay, maybe whoever was whoever was fronting the story, maybe they come up with a stand-up and they discuss that. 190 more clips of video were brought to light on Friday. It'd include a statement from from the sheriff, but even then. It's just like a throwaway line or two. I don't know how that piece isn't isn't fixed or like you or said, just thrown away yeah, yeah
3: right. I mean you've you've probably done a bunch of interviews over your time at ESPN where you interview somebody and then a major news story breaks, which means that you can't run that interview because it would have literally been the lead question you would have asked, right and you're like, well, crap, we put a lot of time and effort into this, but we can't be running an interview with Michael Bennett if I'm Michelle Tafoya, where I ask him, hey, what's it like to play in small shoulder pads when the Las Vegas Police Department has just put out 190 videos, basically, proving that you're a liar, right? I mean, like, how in the world does that happen at NBC? Who's sitting around saying, oh, yeah, that's a good idea?
2: I, I have no idea because I'm with you One hundred percent. I don't know how, you know, there's the typical media critics and websites online that specifically just look at what sports media does or doesn't do. And, and, you know, the the typical people, they praise Clay. And I, I just, this is something once again, if it was another person in the media and let's say we flip the narrative, like we flip it as, as in the new information that came to light, were claims that supported Michael Bennett, like, it just the reverse of it, you would be killed. You would just totally be crushed from these media bloggers, and they're just not. I don't know. It's a narrative that I think a lot of people want to push, and it's sad because, like you said, facts are facts. And if you watch that video, I don't know how you don't discuss that.
3: Yeah, and and this is, I think, disappointing because, again, you you hit on this, and we're talking to Britt McHenry, but if Michael Bennett's true goal is equality, in order mm-hmm. for equality to exist, there has to be what? Trust, right? There has yeah. to be mutual trust. There has to be mutual uh, mutual respect. And all this does is the police department is like, man, we didn't do anything wrong here at all. And we're still getting accused of racism. And if there's actual racism, it makes Pete's like the boy who cried wolf, right? Like now people are going to look at it and be like, oh, why should I believe this guy when Michael Bennett was the one out there lying? And Britt, I've been saying this. There's so much attempts to use stories to justify worldviews. And I talked about this with Ezekiel Elliott, too. You can simultaneously have two contradictory opinions in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. You can believe that domestic violence is awful and happens far too regularly and simultaneously believe that even having believed that, there isn't enough evidence that Ezekiel Elliott committed domestic violence, right? And you can simultaneously believe rape is an awful crime and every single time that rape is alleged does not mean that a rape happened. And similarly, you can believe that racism is an awful flaw that exists in our country and not believe that every time somebody alleges racism, it's accurate. Yet a lot of people in the media can't do that.
2: No, and, and when you and I both like, respectively do that, it's I've seen it either by my responses or what people say to you. You get tagged like, oh, you're you insensitive or you're a racist, and I, I don't understand it because I actually do believe strongly that that unfortunately exists, and I, I do think those things should be fixed, but when, yeah, when you falsely accuse someone of that, you're really damaging someone's career and life potentially, and it's taking away from the focus and what should be done to eradicate things like that.
3: So- yeah, You know what, Britt, and it's also like my point on this would be it's just as racist to believe that somebody is telling the truth because they're black as it was mm-hmm. to believe that somebody's not telling the truth because they're black, right? Like, yes. and it's just as sexist to not believe a woman as to believe a woman, right? Like you can't use somebody's background to justify whether they're telling the truth in a particular story. Yet that seems to be the way society swings, right? We don't, we go from not treating people evenly to trying to over exaggerate and treat them more fairly. And the result is, in individual circumstances, that's how you end up with cases like Duke LaCrosse or the UVA gang rape case, where the media is out here covering a story and trying to use that story to justify the worldview instead of looking at the specific facts of a case. Or to be fair, Ezekiel Elliott, right now. Like, I think Ezekiel Elliott got suspended because uh, Roger Goodell was too lenient on Ray Rice. Well, there's a video of Ray Rice knocking out his girlfriend. We know it happened. We have no idea whether Ezekiel Elliott did anything wrong at all, yet I believe he got punished because of the Ray Rice situation.
2: Yeah, it's it's just un, unequal treatment. And in the Michael Bennett case, I'm like, you're on the strip. How do, how do you not think that this video is going to come to light because you made it that way? You did this ten days. Nobody after it would happened. have ever
3: known about it at all if Michael Bennett doesn't put out this statement on Twitter.
2: Yeah, like if I'm if I'm him, who's been a victim of a video editing before, I would be just thankful that it it wasn't out there in the public before my first that weekend, nobody like, know it NFL. happened. Yes. Yeah, nobody captured video of me sketchily running away and, and telling officers that oh I'm. Um, I'm so-and-so, I'm such a big deal, look me up because I don't have my ID on me. I would be grateful that stuff wasn't out there. So he brought attention to this himself, and and that's the difference, I think, when people are pointing out, well, it was an edited tape. You're in Las Vegas. How do you not realize that video is going to come to light and definitely show you in a not-so-positive light considering these allegations weren't true?
3: Yeah, and for people out there who are saying, "Oh, it's an edited tape," of course it is. There's 193 yeah. <laughs> different versions of the tape. Like they're trying to give you the best version that they have. They offered all 193 different versions to Michael Bennett and his attorney to have to their to be able to review. They said we looked at these and found no evidence to support your allegations. You're welcome to look at these as well yourself. There's nothing here, and I think that's a big deal. Britt, how can people follow you on Twitter?
2: uh at Brett McHenry send the love and hate my way <laughs>
3: <laughs> and Britt's going to join not... us every Wednesday in hour three so if you enjoy yeah. her on the show you can reach out tell her thanks for coming on anything else I need to know Britt before we let you go
2: uh just that I think the eight, uh, the twins should have called the bullpen much earlier last night that's <laughs> the to mistake and by the that, way I before I let you go you covered baseball.
3: Carolina a lot um how surprised mm-hmm. were you to see them go into Foxborough and win
2: Not really. I think that last year was an aberration. Uh, They made some changes to that defense, which they really needed to, because their secondary was just awful last year. You know, they did nothing. They let Josh Norman go, did nothing to fix it. So um, I wasn't surprised. I'm always deep down a Carolina fan, I think, after covering them.
3: Outstanding stuff, as always. Britt, we'll talk to you next week. Try to stay out of trouble between now and then. (laughs) And remember your ID wherever you go, Britt. You don't want to have to tell <laughs> people to look you up on uh, on the Internet.
2: Okay, sounds
3: good. That's Britt McHenry. Follow her on Twitter, at Britt McHenry. Here are some car laws you might not know about. In Alabama, it's illegal to drive blindfolded. In Oklahoma, it's illegal to read comic books while driving, and in Russia, it's illegal to drive a dirty car. And here's something else you might not know about cars that's really helpful and won't get you in trouble with the law. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars with their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars. You'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. Here's something else you might not know. True Car users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a newer or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states.